lost my thing. Come unpin, sorry. Are y'all awake yet? There we go. Well, good morning and welcome. Uh, a couple of things to remind you. One is that if you, uh, if you have any uh, interest at all in learning about the Holy Land trip, you need to come next Sunday at 4.30 for a preview meeting held by uh, Pastor Bob and Bob McQuaid. And this will be the, that can answer any questions that you might have. Also, I want to thank all those who participate in Relay for Life and the men's barbecue. And Eric is here. Eric's going to come up and tell you about how you can enjoy some barbecue today if you missed it yesterday. Just wanted to thank everybody uh, who attended or helped out in any way with our uh, Methodist Men Barbecue yesterday. Um, it was a successful event, as it usually is, um, thanks to your support. We, uh, we decided this year to cook double what we did in previous years, and it's worked out really well so far this morning. So with that being said, we have a 10 pound, or excuse me, one pound bags for 10 bucks, as well as the uh, calabash coleslaw recipe. Uh, for three dollars a pint so we'll be selling those after the service so please come uh, get some whenever you're ready thank you is that over in the family life center is that where they're to go okay in the family life center all right today you may realize is a special day in the life of eight of our young people it's confirmation uh, sunday there's an insert in your bulletins and when the time comes please pull out and respond in your your places of response let us begin our worship together
The Lord be with you. Let us pray together. Eternal God, you raised from the dead our Lord Jesus, and by your Holy Spirit brought to life your church. Breathe upon us again with your Spirit, and give new life to your people, through the same Jesus Christ our Redeemer. Amen. affirm our faith. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
morning. Let me hear that again. Good morning. Sounds a little bit. In a few minutes, I'm going to be reading um, some scripture about a disciple. And I was wondering, do you know who a disciple is? You know? exactly right she says a disciple is a follower of Jesus and he's also a student well, what's a disciple look like anyone. anyone yeah a disciple can look like anyone where have you heard the word disciple before from the Bible exactly right do you know how many followers or how many disciples Jesus had 12. Do you know all 12 of them? No, not yet. Well, you will learn them, I'm sure. All right, Sarah says she thinks she knows most of them. You want to come say them for us? That's good. She knows one. Okay. All right. <laughs> That's okay. You've got plenty of time to learn. Well, you know, Jesus' followers were not famous men. They weren't rich men. They didn't wear fancy clothes. They were just ordinary, everyday men. Um, most of them were fishermen. But they all had one thing in common. They all wanted to learn since they were students. That's another name for disciple. They all wanted to learn everything that they could about that man called Jesus. Back when in Jesus' time, all the Jews had been told that there would be a man who would come and save them from all their sins and would one day be the king of their nation. So they wanted to learn everything they could about this man called Jesus. So they would follow him everywhere he was teaching. Now, we said Jesus had 12 disciples. I'm going to read those names over and I want you to repeat them after me. Don't expect you to remember all 12 of them today, but I do want you to try to remember two or three. And sometimes you would hear the name twice. That's like in your classroom, there may be two girls with the same name, but they don't come from the same families. Or there may be two boys named Noah, but they didn't come from the same family. Okay? She named four disciples. That's great. All right, repeat these names after me, if you will. Simon Peter. I want them to hear you. Say it out loud. Andrew. James, John, Philip, now here's a big one, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, Simon, Judas, Judas Iscariot. All right, now, that was a hard word, wasn't it? I'm going to see if you've listened. Who is a disciple? A follower or a student. Good. What does a disciple look like? Anyone. Everyone in this church, right, can be a disciple and hopefully is a disciple. 
How many disciples did Jesus have? Can you name two or three? So this afternoon, hopefully one of your parents will ask you if you can name two or three of the disciples, and I would like for you to be able to do that, okay? Now, after we have our prayer, I have brought you a Bible coloring and activity book and some crayons and maybe a mint or two down in the bottom of the bag. So after we have our prayer, stay and get that, please. Bow your heads and repeat after me. Dear God, please help me to be a good disciple for Jesus. Amen. This, by the way, is found on page 1689 in your pew Bibles if you want to follow along in a minute when I read the scripture. This chapter talks about the miracle of catching fish with Jesus and his disciples. And it's also the story of Jesus asking Peter if he loves him. And we know that three times Jesus said, excuse me, Peter says, yes, Jesus, I do love you. And three times Jesus answers him by saying, then feed my sheep. Jesus speaks of calling on Peter for a life of commitment. And he also talks about Peter's death. So as Jesus is walking away from the Sea of Galilee, Peter follows along behind him. And behind him is a disciple, John. So Peter asked Jesus this question. How is John going to die? And Jesus answered, if I want him to live until I return, what is that to you? And some believe after that word got out that John would not die until Jesus returned. But what they forgot was that one little word that Jesus had said, if, if, and that leads us to the last two verses in chapter 21, verses 24 and 25, which say, this is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world 
would not have room for the books that would be written. The word of God for the people of God. Oh. 
Let us bow our heads for prayer. O oh Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. O oh Lord, in your wisdom, you created this day and all that lies within it. And you are indeed uh, a saving God. You are our refuge, our rock. We know of your steadfast love, and because of that, we offer our humble thanksgiving and praise to you. We saw that you gave birth to your church through those first disciples. And you set Jesus Christ as the chief cornerstone. You've called us to be a holy people. But we must confess, O oh God, that we often do not act like we are holy. We do not freely make intercession for others. And O oh Lord, where we have chosen darkness over the light, where we've denied that we are your people, forgive us and free us for joyful service. May your Holy Spirit give us courage, courage to proclaim the love of God is found in Christ Jesus before our community. Knowing that your desire is to redeem us, we commend then to you, O Lord, all those who need rescue in this day. They are assaulted by illness or injury upon their bodies, their souls, their spirits. We have listed many on our prayer list and we pray now for those in our hearts. Deliver them, O Lord, and let your face shine upon them. Give them hope and peace and grant us understanding to accept your good and perfect will. Hear your people this day, O Lord. Be merciful to us, for we pray in the name of him who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us continue our worship with our giving. Let our ushers come forward at this time.
please be seated. In Romans chapter 12, there's three verses I want to read. Everything I read and everything I say from this point on concerns these confirmands. The scriptures for you, the sermons for you, but the rest of you probably need to hear it too. Chapter 12, Romans first verse. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you'll be able to test and approve what God's good will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will for you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we thank you for many things, but especially we thank you this day for the journey of these young people, for what that means to them and their parents and to our church. And we pray a special blessing upon each one who hears your words proclaimed this day. Amen. In a few minutes, eight young people are going to come up here and stand before me. And I'm going to ask them some questions and an important thing is going to happen. They're going to be confirmed. They're going to be confirmed. Years ago, their parents pledged, your parents pledged to bring you up into church. They pledged to introduce you to Jesus Christ. And for better or worse, they did their job. Now that makes your parents very proud. But it also makes your parents nervous. You see, parents always get nervous when their kids begin to do things on their own. Because once you're old enough to cross a few streets or make a few decisions, your parents aren't quite sure where you're going to go or what you're going to do or who you're going to see. And they're very worried that you might follow the wrong people. They're very wor worried that you might not follow Christ and become a Christ disciple. And because of that, the parents are people who were taught by their parents to say things like, I don't care what everyone else is doing. You are not everyone else. Have you all ever heard that? My father always took that one step further. He would say, if everybody got in a line and jumped off of a cliff, would you jump off of a cliff? Now, I never told him. I thought his question was kind of silly. And what I, also what I didn't tell him was, I used to think when he, when he told me that, that, you know, I might just jump off that cliff if he wasn't too high. So he had a point, didn't he? And reminded me. My father was trying to tell me, what your parents are trying to tell you, is that you've been called to be different. You've been called to be different in a special way. And they know that you need to belong, but they want you to state your own terms for whatever you belong to from this day forward. 
In our church, we have bishops. Unfortunately, we never see them very often, as clergy do. But we have a retired bishop who grew up in Greenville. His name is Bishop Williman. And he wrote about his own growing up, and he said that his parents, too, were concerned about whether or not he would blend in, but at the same time, they didn't want him to bend too far to blend in, especially when he became a teenager, especially when he started to date, especially when he started to drive the car. And so every time he walked out the door, front door, back door, porch door, garage door, the last thing his mama would say to him is, William, remember who you are. But what did that mean? It's not like he was going to forget his name. Besides, if his mom was like my mom, he had his name marked in his clothes. I don't know if they still do that or not, but back then they did, just in case I forgot, I guess. This is who I am. She was saying to him, don't forget who you are. Now, I can imagine at least one occasion, he probably wished that she'd forget to remind him to remember. And so maybe that for one night, he could go out and forget who he was, which is probably why she never forgot to remind him. The thing is, every time you walk out the door, you carry a family name. You carry a family history, you carry a family hope, and you carry a whole laundry list of family values. And whether you understand it all or not now, whether you like it all now or not, whether you honor all that or not, that is who you are. It's in your bones, it's in your genes, and it's in your brain, and it's also in your heart. And even if you get 500 miles away from your front door, and you never have to walk out of that front door ever again. You will never be able to shake that voice in the back of your mind that says, remember who you are. And you know what? You have something else to remember. You have to remember that you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, just like Margie was telling us. A few minutes from now, I'm going to have you come up here and I'm going to put my hands on your head. Your parents are going to stand behind you. They're going to put their hands upon you too. And Katie's going to assist because she was your children's ministry and now, minister, and now you are graduating up to youth. And Marsha's going to be here with you because Marsha and Tyler were your chaperones at the confirmation retreat that you just fulfilled and was part of. And I'm going to say your Christian name. I know you don't like that too much, but it's the same name that was called out when you were baptized, the same full Christian name. And then I'm going to say, may the Lord defend you with his heavenly grace and by his spirit confirm you in the faith and fellowship of all true disciples of Jesus Christ. Now what that means is that from this point on, you belong to Jesus. And you're going to be Jesus's for the rest of your life. No way to get out of it unless you reject him. And if you reject him, I don't want to talk about that. This makes you different from people who don't belong to Jesus. You're never going to be able to conform to the culture of this world without realizing underneath that you also wear this relationship with Jesus Christ. That means that sometimes you'll not necessarily fit in 
with everybody else. But that's okay. As the Apostle Paul just told you, don't model your behavior on this world. But instead, instead discern what the will of God is for you. Now, how odd is that going to make me, preacher? Is that going to make me really odd? Well, let me tell you something. In your grandparents' days, when kids followed Christ, they were expected to be pretty different. For example, in your grandparents' days, once they followed Christ, they couldn't play cards. They couldn't go to movies. They couldn't go dancing. They couldn't wear makeup. I'm sure some of y'all can tell me a few other things you couldn't do. And they certainly couldn't do anything like that on Sunday. Are you kidding me? Sunday was only for worship in church. Now those days have changed. The church has decided that it's not so important if you wear makeup or not. What's more important is if you wear Christ or not. If you are Christian to the world. If you see Jesus in other people. When I came along, guess what? I danced. I went to movies. I played cards. I still turned out all right, I think. Maybe my mom might have something to say about that sometimes. What I'm suggesting to you is this, is that every decision you ever make in your life, you've got to ask yourself, does the fact that I follow Jesus Christ have anything to say to me here? Any decision you make from this point on, the rest of your life, remember to ask yourself, I'm a follower of Christ. So what does that mean as I answer this question? Now, a couple things are going to happen to you as you move on. First, occasionally you're going to find yourself doing lowly work. Let me give you an example of lowly work. Jesus, on the night before he died, he washed the disciples' feet. That's lowly work, dirty work, smelly work. But he went around friend to friend with a basin and a towel, and he said, love does things like this, which it does. Love sometimes stoops down in order to do the simplest things for the neediest people. For example, a nurse may give up a month's vacation to change bandages in a mission hospital. If you follow Christ, you'll never be able to look at somebody else and say, I don't care. You won't be able to look at somebody's need and say, it's not my problem. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, it means you've got to look out for other people, especially the least of these. It means you have to find Jesus in the presence of other people, even those people you don't really like. You've got to see Jesus in them. I run across a story I'm going to share real quick with you. I'm going to abbreviate it. But there was a lady, her name was Gert. She had had a rough life. But she finally found the Lord late in life. And so she went around testifying to her faith. And so she had to drive from place to place. And so that meant she spent a lot of time in her car. It also meant that she spent a lot of time in public restrooms. Any of you ever been in a public restroom? Well, she decided to complain to the Lord about the way the public restrooms looked. She said, it was a terrible inconvenience. Lord, did I have to go into these restrooms? One day, she thought she heard the Lord talking to her, and she thought the Lord said, Gert, whatever you do for the least of my people, you do for me. And when she heard that, she thought, do you mean I've got to start cleaning up these restrooms? And that's what she realized. Jesus might be the next person to come into that restroom. And so she thought, then I better stop complaining about it 
and I better do something about it. And she writes, and I'm going to quote what she said, Now when I go into messy restroom, now when I go into a messy restroom, I will pick up all the towels and stuff that's laying everywhere and I'll put it in the wastebasket. Then I take another paper towel and I wipe off the sink, the mirror, and the toilet seat. And after leaving it as clean as possible, I say, here it is, Lord. I hope you enjoy it. It's clean. <laughs> now, don't miss the point of what I'm saying. The point is not that you ought to go home and clean the bathroom. Of course, I believe your mamas would probably give me good money on the way out of here if I left the matter just like that, that you go home and clean the bathroom. That's not the point. The point is that as a follower of Jesus Christ, you've got to find him, serve him in some of the world's messy places. And you're going to be dealing with some of the world's messiest people. It's not always pretty, but once you're a Christian, you can't turn back. The second thing that's going to happen to you is Jesus is going to make, ask you some hard things. Jesus is going to ask you to make some hard choices Six months after I was confirmed, at the beginning of the eighth grade year, something incredibly significant took place in my life. My school was about to change. I was going to have to take a bus to a different school because of forced integration on our schools. Now, everybody was afraid of this change. Everybody was angry. And that's usually what happens to people when they're afraid. But what I've come to find out is we weren't the only ones afraid. They were just as afraid. They were just as apprehensive and just as anxious about getting in a bus and going to a different school. I remember my dad and mama sat us down and told us that this was going to happen and that unlike some of the people that we went to church with and they worked with and dined with, we were going to go to the integrated school. We were not going to be removed from it. We were to go and realize that everybody there had the same spirit inside as we had, the spirit of Christ. And the Spirit of Christ saw everyone equal. And so we went. Now, I can't tell you that we weren't afraid. I can't tell you we weren't anxious. We were. Well, after this had occurred, and some months passed, one night, some of my friends come to me and said, we're going to hide in the bushes, and we're going to lob water balloons at the black students when they get off the bus. Now the idea of being with my friends sounded kind of cool. The idea of being part of the action sounded kind of exciting. But somehow I knew that I couldn't throw those water balloons at those other kids. And so I didn't go. Now I wish I could tell you that I went and reported them to a parent or a teacher before it happened, but I didn't. I wish I could tell you that I stood up to my friends and told them that the reason I wasn't going to come be part of them was because of Jesus Christ, and that was wrong. 
but I didn't. A couple years later, I might could have told them, but at that time, I couldn't. I just made up some excuse. But in my heart, I knew that the reason I couldn't go do something like that was because of the vows I had taken at my confirmation about the things I had learned during confirmation and who I had said yes to there. Friends, you will be making hard choices all your life. At every critical turn, I, I trust that you will ask yourself, does the fact that I am a follower of Jesus Christ have anything to say to me here and now? I think it does. And if it doesn't, I think it should. And when you leave the church at the close of the service, after you've followed me out and stood there and shook everyone's hand, I pray that you'll always remember who you are. And I pray that someday, when you have to make a tough decision, you remember what I told you today. Amen. I'm going to ask you all to come up and take your places. I'm going to ask the parents to come up and stand behind you, or grandparents, whoever wants to come be, to stand behind you. I'm going to ask the congregation to get the confirmation insert out. I want Katie and Marsha to come up here and help me. And once everybody's in their places, we will begin the service. And I, when, when I get to the point where I want you to say something, I want you to shout it out so all them hard-of-hearing old folks back there can hear you, okay? <laughs> I'm, they didn't hear me say that. <laughs> the church is of God and will be reserved to the end of time for the conduct of worship and the due administration of God's word and sacraments, the maintenance of Christian fellowship and discipline, the edification of believers and the conversion of the world, all of every age and station stand in needs of the means of grace, which it alone supplies. Let us join together in prayer. Almighty and everlasting God, we call upon thee for these thy servants, that they come into thy holy confirmation may receive remission of their sins and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Receive them, O Lord, as thou hast promised by thy well-beloved Son, and grant that we may be faithful to thee all the days of their lives, and finally come to the eternal kingdom, which thou hast promised through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The renunciation of sin and profession of faith. So I asked you, confirmands, the first question. Do you truly and earnestly repent of your sins? All right, we can do better than that. <laughs> oh, I know you can. These are, this is some of the talkingest bunch I've ever had, I'll tell you right now. They are really been a great class. All right, try it again. Okay. Do you believe in God the Father? Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Do you believe in the Holy Spirit? I believe in the Holy 
Do you receive and profess the Christian faith as contained in the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments? Do you promise, according to the grace given you, to keep God's holy will and commandments and walk in the same all the days of your life as faithful members of Christ's holy church? All right, we'll begin down here if y'all will kneel. Uh, one other thing I want to tell you, we're going to give them these stoles that they made at the confirmation retreat. Okay, you want to hold that up so they can see it? And we're also giving them a certificate of confirmation. Okay. Courtney Ivy Boyce, may the Lord defend you with his heavenly grace and by his spirit confirm you in the faith and fellowship of all true disciples of Jesus Christ. Clinton, Sean Bryant. May the Lord defend you with his heavenly grace and by his spirit confirm you in the faith and fellowship of all true disciples of Jesus Christ. Emma Catherine Culberson, may the Lord defend you with his heavenly grace and by his spirit confirm you in the faith and fellowship of all true disciples of Jesus Christ. Amen. Riley Jennifer Driscoll, May the Lord defend you with his heavenly grace and by his spirit confirm you in the faith and fellowship of all true disciples of Jesus Christ. Amen. Rachel Marie Hudson, may the Lord defend you with his heavenly grace and by his spirit confirm you in the faith and fellowship of all true disciples of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hunter Lion James, may the Lord defend you with his heavenly grace and by his spirit confirm you in the faith and fellowship of all true disciples of Jesus Christ. Amen.
John Robert Shannon, Jr. May the Lord defend you with his heavenly grace and by his spirit confirm you in the faith and fellowship of all true disciples of Jesus Christ. Amen. Julia and Shannon, may the Lord defend you with his heavenly grace and by his spirit confirm you in the faith and fellowship of all true disciples of Jesus Christ. Amen. y'all would stand up and look at me one more time we got to answer one more question because this makes them members of this church and the united methodist church so will you be loyal to the united methodist church and uphold it by your prayers your presence your gifts your service and your witness now, if y'all will turn around so the congregation can see you, and parents, maybe you can still stand behind them or beside of them. And let me say, brothers and sisters, I commend to your love and care these persons whom we this day receive into the membership of this congregation. Do all in your power to increase their faith, confirm their hope, and perfect them in love. And the people will respond. Y'all just turn around one more time towards me and let us give you, make sure you have your certificates. And I want to offer one more blessing to you. And then you may go back to your seats and at the end of service, follow me out so the folks can greet you properly. Okay? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, may He bless you, preserve you, and keep you now and forevermore. Amen. Amen.